This is it, boys. The final hours. It was an honor fapping with you. Godspeed, you dirty animals. From Tumblr user Someone New, December 16th, 2018. From WNYU 89.1 FM, this is Dirty Money. Dirty Money is a podcast about how money and capitalism influence our bodies, sex, and relationships. I'm your host, Liam McBain. This is episode one, Sesta and Fosta. On December 17th, 2018, blogging site Tumblr banished all pornographic content, including media containing exposed genitals, sex acts, and what they call quote-unquote female-presenting nipples. The ban was announced on December 3rd after the Apple Store deleted the Tumblr app from the App Store for allegedly having child pornography. They were reinstated in the App Store on December 13th after their ban announcement. So I use Tumblr for online sex work. Uh, I primarily posted photos and GIFs on there, nude photos and GIFs. That's Queer Marquis, a sex worker whose entire platform was obliterated by the ban. If you're not a more professional sex worker, then you probably base all your content on one platform. Um, it's like a smart thing to do, but I think it's what most of us do. Tumblr had always been known to be a haven of sorts for not-safe-for-work communities, many of which are marginalized. It was known for its furries. It was known for its porn artists. It was a place for queer and trans folks to explore their bodies and write about their fantasies. It was a place for all kinds of sex workers to build a platform and clientele. And with the new ban, almost all of that is now gone. In the first few days, I kind of figured they'd walk it back in one way or another, just because porn was the backbone for that site to a pretty insane degree, apparently. And then when it became clear that that was going to happen, I, and I think a lot of people, switched to a sort of world-is-ending viewpoint. Though the company has not admitted its removal from the App Store was the reason for the ban, it's easy to see its corporate owners were probably concerned by the loss of revenue generated by millions of Apple phone users. But there's more to it than that, even. It comes down to SESTA and FOSTA. The, the Tumblr ban and FOSTA SESTA and just in general, how non-sex workers treat sex workers is indicative of a lot of things, mostly people not really seeing us as like human beings or people with a thing that they do. Um, I think it's really easy for us to be forgotten. 45 signed the mashup of two bills, the Stop Enabling Sex Trafficking Act, or SESTA, and the Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act, or FOSTA, on April 11th, 2018. They both sound good in name. Sex trafficking is awful. That's not exactly a hot take. But these bills have some enormous consequences. So to protect themselves from lawsuits, websites have been taking down all sexual content. Craigslist deleted their personal ad section in March, and Tumblr followed suit. And Backpage, a website for classified ads that was used routinely by sex workers, was seized by the government before the bill even passed Congress in April. So many people believe that sex work was equated with sex trafficking, and it it became a very conflated term that, you know, people wanted to protect their daughters or save their, you know, like save the girls or whatever. And and so that became kind of the, the impetus for making this bill a reality for so many people. That's Dia Dynasty, a professional dominatrix. This perception was backed by some real heavy hitters. 21st Century Fox, 
Oracle, and the Internet Association Group, which spent $1.5 billion on political lobbying in 2014. Because, you know, certain websites like Craigslist or Backpage have shuttered their personal ads and and in those areas where the, the the actual trafficking was more visible, now actual trafficking or sex trafficking is completely underground. She's right. Ads online made it easy to find them. Now, it's so much harder. In a report, Rolling Stone showed that advocates for sex trafficking victims agree that the victims now have less evidence, less visibility, and fewer options. The bills address none of the root problems that can lead to sex trafficking, like homelessness, poverty, and an ineffective foster care system. These bills also make sex work harder, too. Before, they could have their own business, and now they can't. That's Lucy Sweetkill, Dia's business partner and a fellow professional dominatrix. I think there are a lot of sex workers who were doing really well before the bill because they were able to advertise online, they were able to screen, and they weren't in a place of either survival sex work or they weren't in a place of, you know, danger. And now they're, because of those things and all these sites going down, there are a lot more people who are taking, a lot more sex workers who are taking risks, such as seeing clients without screening them because they have to just do what they have to do. And now they're actually pushed back into doing survival sex work or pushbacks, you know, using, you know, pimps. A lot of people who prey on sex workers will utilize this FOSTA-SESTA thing to kind of become even more predatorial knowing that we don't have any recourse. Like if somebody was, you know, working out on the streets and they were robbed or they were assaulted or or raped or anything like that, going to the police would probably do nothing, you know, because being a sex worker in and of itself is criminalized. So, you know, basically we just kind of have to, a lot of times the, 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 the survivor workers have to just kind of suck it up. Sex is a natural part of humanity, and a natural part of the internet, at least according to Rule 34, which states that if something exists, there's a pornographic version of it on the internet. But SESTA and FOSTA censor our right to publish and enjoy these versions. They violate the First Amendment. Sexual content is free speech. Sex trafficking isn't, but these laws don't punish traffickers. They make life harder for sex trafficking victims, sex workers, and anyone that uses the internet to get off. They make it harder for the websites, too, who are liable for the content that is on them now. It's clear that everyone is worse off. So what can we do about these bills and the problems they created? I think that's really what needs to happen is that all these politicians who are making these bills and putting these bills together need to talk to the people who are being affected by it. Um, And the big thing that most of us need to do as citizens is we do need to get involved. You know, we do need to have that conversation, but we also need to be politically active. And those who sort of had this take of like, I don't want to be political are realizing that you kind of have to because it, because these bills happen and they affect us. I think another, I maybe more ideal situation would be, pushing for decriminalization of sex work because it's such a stigmatized 
line of work and so many people do it like you know it exists on so many levels and and even somebody who is like doing cam work on the side you know that's considered sex work and having those discussions with people that are that kind of like judge it or stigmatize it in in a way where where we're kind of normalizing the idea that that sex work is actually beneficial for our entire health sex work is is something that um has existed for a very long time and the more you try to push it underground back into the shadows the more harm you're actually doing for for your your entire, I guess, like human existence as a whole, like as people in general, because you can't really negate sex as a part of life. If if we could, you know, keep these conversations going about sex in general and the importance of, of sex work and how a lot of the sex workers are just also normal people that are looking to survive, um, and have maybe even survived worse things, sharing our stories and keeping our, our platform open to to sex workers instead of like marginalizing them. Um, and then also building bridges to other smaller groups of people that have also been marginalized. I don't think that, you, that this is the end of um, sex work, you know, by any means. And I think that since a majority of sex workers are female, this is kind of like a call to to basically band together and to keep empowering and uplifting each other. You know, it, maybe it's another silver lining, but I definitely feel a very strong sense of community with different types of people that aren't sex workers as well, like different, you know, groups of women who are allies as well. And and I'm actually very hopeful that um, despite what happens in legislation, that you know we're we're still going to come out on top. Thanks for tuning in to Dirty Money from WNYU 89.1 FM. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Or tune in next week from 7.15 to 7.30 to hear episode 2, Courting Between Classes. This episode was written, produced, edited, and hosted by me, Leah McBain. Music for this episode was provided by Poddington Bear and Poor You. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kelly Drake, Anna Van Dyne, Dia Dynasty, Lucy Sweetkill, and Queer Marquis. Thanks for listening.